Well, welcome this evening. So glad that you're here. Uh, I'm really excited because we are uh, kicking off uh, a new three-week series, uh, as you just heard, uh, called From Here to There. And we're going to be opening up God's Word and asking the question, how do we get from here, sort of our, our present in our lives, to there, the, the future that we believe God has for us? And I think we all have something in our lives that if we were to look at our present, if we were to look at you know, the way our life looks right now, that we would actually look at it and say, you know, I hope that it'll look a little different in the future. Maybe it's a goal that you have, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a hope, maybe it's a prayer that you've been praying for a while, but there's something that you are hoping you can move from the here of your life to a there in the future. And we're also going to be looking at it not just in our lives as individuals, but, but what does that look like for us as a church uh, here at Soul City Church? How do we experience what God is doing in our collective here now in the present and listen to him as he guides us to our collective future, which is our there as a church? And I'm really excited to be able to uh, be teaching for the next three weeks, and I have a favor to ask of you, okay? So those of you that know me well, you know that I love connecting with people. It's, it's probably one of my biggest passions in life. I love, I love conversation. I love looking eyeball to eyeball with a person, asking questions of one another. I love that moment in a conversation when both of your heads start nodding and you start going, yeah, I totally get that. And, you know, and there's this sense of you know, understanding and knowing that's at work in, in a conversation. Now, whenever somebody is, is on a stage and, and there are people in the audience, that conversation doesn't tend to happen the exact same way. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a church before where uh, it was a little bit more conversational. Maybe you've attended a church like this before where a communicator is on, on the platform or a preacher's on the platform and, they, and you know, they're, they're preaching, they're communicating, they're saying things and the audience starts saying, yes, mm-hmm. Come on, amen. And I don't know if you've ever been in a church like that. I like those kinds of churches, okay? And uh, so I'm going to ask you to, to allow this to be a little bit more conversational over the next few weeks. Now, so, so things like, you know, uh-huh, amen, th- those are all good. Let me give you a few that would not work so well. Saying things like, what about Jarrett? When's he coming back? Things like that. That probably would not encourage me, okay? Saying things like, help her, Jesus. Please, God, help her, Jesus, okay? That probably wouldn't help either, okay? So, you know, you know, you know what'll work, you know what'll not work. And so, you know, maybe we'll just do a collective. Can I, can I hear an amen from you? Okay, all right. I think we can do this. I think we can do this. All right. So uh, I think I told a few of you this last week. Uh, I went to my high school reunion this weekend, and uh, I graduated from high school when bangs were very dangerous, okay? Um, Their height and their power were not to be messed with. That's when I graduated from high school, the real 80s, when bangs were out to here. And uh, on Friday night, uh, I went to the football game, and it was really fun. It was really great to go back to see everyone Uh, to be there. And I saw a guy that I went to high school with and we were friends with, and he sort of saw me across the bleachers and he he made his way over to me and he said, Jeannie, I heard an unbelievable rumor about you. 
Now, pause, okay? When you haven't seen somebody for 20 years, this is not a good way to start a conversation, okay? Don't ever say, I heard this rumor about you, because my mind started racing. I started thinking, what has he heard about me? What is the word out on the street? You know, what do people think I've been doing for 20 years? And he said, I heard this unbelievable rumor, and I don't know if it's true. Is it true that you're a... And he took his hand and he goes... And I was like, uh, sort of, yes, it's true. <laughs> Where are we going with this? And he said, are you really a pastor? I mean, how did that happen? What happened over the last 20 years? And essentially he was saying, I knew who you were 20 years ago. How are you the one doing this now? You know, And we had a fun conversation and it was great to reconnect. And it was so much fun for me to sort of you know, share my story of what God has done in my life over the last 20 years. And, and my hunch is, for many of you in this room, there is a reality that is true about your life right now, that if, if we were to go back in your past, uh, you would go, there's no way, there's no way that this is my life now. Like, I, I, there's no way that you, you, I could have ever predicted that this is the person that I would marry, or there's no way that I would have predicted that, you know, I'd be living in this city, or, or that I'd be doing this job, or I would have gone to this school, or, you know, I'd have these, you know, things that are true of my life. Something happened along the way. You met someone, you experienced something, and you took a risk at some point, and it has landed you right here. And you've been traveling from here to there your entire life. But for many of us, for many of us, we have these from here to there moments occurring. And oftentimes we very rarely pay attention to what's happening. You see, to get from here to there in our lives, we experience moments, these sacred divine moments that happen. And some of them we're aware of, some of them we can predict. Some of them we're actually ready for, and some of them literally take us by surprise. And how we respond to those moments begins to set a tone and a trajectory for the there that we will arrive at in our lives. There's a great writer uh, and pastor out in California. His name is Erwin McManus, and he says this, that seizing divine moments are not simply about opportunity. It's not just about opportunity. At its core, it is about essence. So these moments that we experience, it's about essence. It's about the kind of life you live as a result of the person you are becoming. And when you think about it, the Bible is literally packed story after story, experience after experience of people having these kinds of moments throughout their life. God interrupting their here to take them to a there that he longs for them to be at. And I want to dive into one of those stories this weekend. So I'm going to ask you to open up your Bible. And uh, if you don't have it with you, you can grab the one in the seat back right in front of you. And we're going to look at a story which is found in Mark 2. So it's in the second half of the Bible, in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four synoptic Gospels. And Mark is the second Gospel. And we're going to take a look at a story in that Gospel right now. Mark 2, starting with verse 1. It's on page 923, if you're looking for it, in the blue Bible in front of you. And you can read along with me. It's also going to be up on the screen. And it says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, 
the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So inside the story, and we're going to keep reading in a minute, but just you know, up until this point in verse 5, inside the story, we have a few characters on the scene, right? And the most obvious character is obviously Jesus, right? And this is a fascinating moment in the life of Jesus. Of course, any time that Jesus heals throughout the Gospels, it is an opportunity for him to, to sort of reveal his status as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And clearly, that actually happens here. But it wasn't supposed to happen, okay? He was getting ready to give a message. He was getting ready to preach the word. He was not intending that this was going to be a moment that would be turned into a movement. He was preaching and someone walked in and said, you know, we want to lower this guy down. And Jesus had an opportunity to respond to it. The next character in the story is, is obviously the paralyzed man. And the only thing that we know about him is that he cannot walk. We don't know his story. We don't know where he comes from. We don't know if he had ever seen Jesus before. We don't know if, that, if he had been paralyzed from birth. We have no idea, you know, if maybe he uh, contracted a disease or a sickness or, or maybe, you know, he was in an accident. We don't know anything about him other than the fact that he is paralyzed. And then the last characters are the four men of faith. And I, and I love these guys in the story because I just love the audacity in their faith. I mean, the passage says that when Jesus saw their faith, the end of verse 5 says that when Jesus saw their faith, that that's when he decided to heal this paralyzed man. So clearly, these four guys, their faith compelled them to do something quite audacious. It didn't matter to them that there was a huge crowd gathered. It didn't matter to them that literally the Messiah, the Son of the living God, was in the middle of giving a message. It didn't matter to them what the outcome was going to be. They had no idea whether Jesus was going to heal this paralyzed man or not. It didn't matter to them that there was literally no way in to see Jesus. These four men of faith decided not to wait for an open door opportunity. Instead, they decided to create one. And they decided to create it on the roof. They literally chose to create a moment. And we don't know much about these guys either. I mean, we don't know if they had been following Jesus as he began his ministry. We don't know if maybe a few days earlier they had seen Jesus heal somebody else, and so they were determined to get their friend in front of Jesus. We don't know, you know, what what their past was like. We didn't know what they came from. We didn't know what their fears were. I mean, the, the crowd would not have seen Jesus heal a man if these four guys were not faithful in that moment. A paralyzed man would not be walking if these four guys would not have been faithful in that moment. And those four men would not have experienced the rush and the exhilaration that comes when you walk out on a limb and trust Jesus with every part of your life. And we can go on and keep reading it, and you can see what happens in Mark 2. In verse 6, the story continues. 
It says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. I love it. They don't even say it out loud. They're just thinking to themselves. They're judging Jesus in their mind, right? Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8 says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? I mean, he just calls it right out, doesn't he? I love it. Which is, easier to, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the guy got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. It says here in the scriptures, this amazed everyone. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. And you know what? This day was just turning out to be a normal day. When you look at the beginning of Mark 2, Jesus was just coming home, and he was just going to teach the word of God to these people. And it says that the way that this moment ended was people saying, we have never seen anything like this. It could have just been a mundane flash in life, but it became much more than that. The moment became a movement. People walked out saying, we've never seen anything like this. And moments remain a mundane flash if we don't allow them to gain momentum and become movements. And there's moments all around us every single day. Every single day, there are moments that God is just waiting for us to seize, that God is just waiting for us to respond to, that God is just waiting for us to step out in faith and say, I trust you. I trust you. And they happen in big ways. They happen in small ways. Maybe you've seen somebody, you know, take a, take a step, take a risk, and you thought, wow, that, that was really courageous. That was really risky. I can't believe they did that. And wow, look at the faith. Look at the faith of that person. You know, I saw it once, and, and this wasn't necessarily in a, um, in a spiritual way, but I saw somebody take a pretty big risk once. Uh, I was on a plane headed to Portland, and uh, we had taken off, and, you know, we were at the point where, you know, you could walk about the cabin, as the flight attendants say. And uh, the flight attendant uh, came over and said, would Mary and Larry please come to the front of the plane? And none of us really thought anything of it. It's not that big of a deal. Two people went to the front of the plane. We all just kept, you know, going, with, going on with our lives, working on our laptops or reading our books or whatever. And uh, a few minutes later, Larry took the microphone. And he grabbed the microphone, and he said, and Mary was standing right next to him, and he said, may I have your attention, everyone? And he looked at Mary, and he said, Mary, you make my life fly. (laughs) Mary, when I'm with you, it's like we're always at 30,000 feet. Mary, when I'm with you, I feel like I'm in the clouds. And all of us are like, what is Larry doing? Like, what is going on? And, and Larry gets down on one knee, and he's like, Mary, I love you, and I can't imagine a more perfect place to ask you to marry me. Mary, will you marry me? And literally everyone on the plane is silent. People that had never prayed in their life are praying, God, let her say yes. Let her say yes. 
You know, because it would be terribly awkward if she's like, uh, I don't know, let me think about it. You know, and so she grabs the microphone. She's like, yes, Larry, I love you. And, you know, the whole plane, you know, bursts out into applause and everyone's cheering. Like, people are hugging complete strangers. Mary and Larry are getting married, you know. And, like, we're all invited to the wedding one day or something, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and everyone in this little air-packed plane is all celebrating. And we're all experiencing this moment with Larry and Mary and they're happy and you know the pilot comes over the loudspeaker and he's like Mary and Larry I'd like to buy you a drink and I'm thinking like why is the pilot buying drinks shouldn't he be flying the plane like this is concerning to me you know and uh and it was great and a few minutes after the moment happened you know Mary and Larry sort of made their way back to their economy seats and uh you know sat down and I thought gosh they should at least like give them first class or something you know and uh they sat back down, and, you know, and, and after a few minutes, people picked their books back up and you know, grabbed their laptops and went back about their business. And it was just a moment. And nothing really changed for any of us in that plane. Nothing was really different for our lives. There, there was no movement that had been propelled for any of us. But everything changed for Mary and Larry in that moment, didn't it? I, I mean, they were now sprung into a future with one another. They, they were now going to, to be husband and wife. They were going to plan a life together. You know, they, they had set themselves on a trajectory with one another at 30,000 feet, and everything was different from when they walked to that front of the plane to when they went back to their economy seats. Everything changed in that moment. And, and I don't know how that moment would have gone if, you know, Larry just sort of leaned over, you know, in their economy seats, like, you know, 19 E and F or something. You know, it was like, you know, Mary... I think you're pretty cool. You know, I like hanging out with you. You know, they've got like service times at the Justice of the Peace. You want to go just make this official? I'm pretty sure Larry would have gotten dumped that day, okay? He, he would not have really probably been able to make it all the way to the altar. But he seized a moment, didn't he? I mean, he, he took advantage of an opportunity. And that moment ushered them into a story that they would probably tell for the rest of their lives. And I fear that far too many of us, when it comes to our faith, we sort of sit in our economy-style faith, and we never really get up, we never really walk to the front of the plane, we never really grab a ladder and grab a saw and climb to the top of a, of a you know, little house and be willing to lower somebody down so that they can have an encounter with Jesus. You see, we have moments all around us that never really get opened. And Christians, we are notorious. We are notorious for asking God to open a door. I mean, this is one of the prayers that we pray all the time. Oh God, please, will you please just open a door? And if you don't open a door, maybe just crack a window for me, Lord. Just, you know, just let me know where I'm supposed to go, which direction I should head in. And we wait for God to make it painless for us to follow him. We wait for God to, to make it, you know, just simple for us to follow him. We wait for God to make it comfortable for us to follow him. And somewhere along the way, we have lost the ferocious determination that it would literally take to climb up onto a roof, hoist a crippled man up with us, lower him down in the middle of the Messiah's message and pray to the living God that he would be healed. That takes some ferocious determination in our faith. 
And from everything that I can see, that is the kind of faith that is lying cover to cover in this book. Men and women that allowed the moments that God put right in front of them to be turned into movements of faith. You see, faith is never formed when we're comfortable. Faith is never formed when we go through the motions in our life. Faith is never formed when you choose to stay angry or unreconciled. Faith is never formed when you make excuses. Faith is never formed when you compare your life to the life of another person. Faith is never formed in a safe and protected routine. Faith is never formed in a critical spirit. Faith is forged when risk is on the line. When the possibility of failure is very, very clear. When it's hard. When you are smack dab in the middle of fear. And faith was not something that we all received the moment that we started to follow Jesus, the moment of our salvation. Faith is an everyday fuel that every believer needs to depend on in their life. You see, faith is formed actually when you put your foot into the sea way before it's parted. You know, Moses had to put his foot in the sea before those waters were parted. God didn't just go, Moses, you know, just lay back, chill out, you know, just take care of your people for a little while, and I'm going to work this whole water thing out, and once I part, then you walk. That's not how God did it. God waited for Moses to literally say, okay, he told me to walk across an entire sea. I've got thousands of people behind me. Okay. And he put his foot in the water, and that's when the sea was parted. Faith is formed when you march around in a circle for seven days, believing that your walking will somehow bring the walls down. And that's what Joshua did. He just kept walking and walking and walking. People probably thought he was a crazy guy, just walking and walking and walking. And his faith was not formed when the walls came down. His faith was formed in the walking. That's when it happened. Faith is formed when you are way past the age of comfortably having a child. You've suffered for years under infertility. And then you give birth. That's the life of Sarah. That's when her faith was formed. It wasn't the moment that baby was born. It was the years leading up to following God. That's when faith is formed. Faith is formed when you are in the middle of a hot, fiery furnace and you don't seem to be burning up and you're looking around and you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and you're thinking, why am I not on fire? That's when faith is formed. Faith is formed when an angel is literally standing in your living room while you are engaged to be married and says to you, I just want to let you know you're pregnant, you're going to birth the Son of God. And you're thinking to yourself, how is this possible? I've been a good girl. Like, it, it, how, how is this going to be? That's when faith is formed. Those nine months leading up to the birth of the Messiah, that's when faith was formed in Mary. Faith is formed while you are in the middle of a horrible storm. And you don't wait for all of those waves to calm down. You don't wait for the rain to stop. 
But you get up and you're standing by all your buddies and you're looking out and there's Jesus out in the middle of the water and you're thinking, gosh, I really hope somebody else gets out of the boat. Gosh, I really hope somebody else gets out of the boat. Okay, no one's getting out of the boat. And Peter literally hoists himself over a boat and starts walking towards Jesus. That's when faith is formed. And this is the kind of faith that God longs for you and I to live with. In every one of those stories, faith was forged in a moment. And every one of those people did not allow that moment to pass them by. Yet I fear that far too many of us just allow our life to sort of go through the motions. And if we're honest, at times, we're we're Christian by name. We're Christian by status. We're not really living the great faith adventure that every Jesus follower is invited into. And I don't know about you, but when I read a story like this in Mark 2, and I look at four guys that literally look around and go, okay, what are we going to do? We got to find a ladder. We got to find a saw. We got to get a mat. We got to get him up there. We got to cut the hole. We got to bring him down. And I don't know, maybe Jesus will do something. Maybe he won't, but we got to do it. I look at a story like that and I go, that's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live with that kind of faith. I want to be ready and able and if necessary, I want to cut holes in roofs wherever I need to. But I'll be honest, I'm 38 years old. I have been a Christian since I was in middle school. I went to a Christian university. I have been on missions trips all over the world. I've worked for two amazing churches I've been in professional Christian ministry for 15 years. I love God with every fiber of my being. And I have read the Bible for years. And I will be honest. This last year, I found myself living a very comfortable life. For 37 years, I just sort of waited for circumstances to change. I just sort of waited and sort of was like, you know, if these people would just get their act together, fix their problems, work this thing out, well then, you know, then it's not going to affect me and I'll be able to do what I need to do. I got extra good at critiquing and comparing as a way to hide from really living by faith. I even made up spiritually sounding excuses as to why I was waiting. You know, the Lord's just sort of told me to wait. And for me, faith never got formed in a safe life. For me, faith was formed a couple years ago when we walked into offices of our supervisors and said, we love our church, we love what we're doing, couldn't create a better life for ourselves if we tried. But God has been clear, and he's telling us to start a church in downtown Chicago. And we're going to go do it. Faith was formed that day for me. Faith was formed when that really nice church stopped depositing checks into my bank account every two weeks. Faith was formed, just really honestly speaking, faith was formed after, drilled, after building our dream house the house that I would leaf through magazine, magazines and see, and I sort of created it in my mind and, and then got a chance to build it. Faith was formed when we walked away from that. Faith, or maybe it is perhaps stupidity, 
is formed when you choose to move from a sunny climate to a place where it's 20 degrees and 20 inches of snow for about six months out of the year. And that is coming, friends. It's coming. I'm here to warn you. Faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Faith was formed for for us when we prayed for nine months, nine straight months. We kept praying, God, give us a place to meet. Give us a place for our church to start. It was formed every single time we met with the owners of this space and shared our story. It was formed when when we tried to collect as, as much money as we could and said, okay, we could pay... I think we could pay 50 cents a square foot. And we weren't even really sure where that was going to come from. And they sort of kindly said, no, that's not really enough. And faith was formed when they came back to us five months later after that and said, actually, we want to give you this space rent-free. It's when faith is formed. And I'll be honest, I have a very, 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 very long way to go. But the kind of life that I've been living this last year or so, I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to return. I don't ever want to find myself lying in comfort again. And the pull is unbelievable. The desire for it is unbelievable. But I know that I was created for moments of faith that lead to great movements of God. That's what I was created for. And that's what this church is created out of and for. That is why moments that lead to movements are so important to us here at Soul City Church. We say this every single week that we gather, that we want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And you know what? The way that we do that, the first part of our strategy, is we have moments that lead to movements in people's lives. To create moments where they can encounter the living God, and hopefully it will propel them to movement in their transformational journey with Jesus. It's why we're doing Fallapalooza next week. This morning, I I was walking through Soul City Kids on my way down here. You know what was so cool? There were so many children up there that literally are here in our church now. Their families are here in our church now because of the big find that we did a couple of months ago. They live right here in the neighborhood. They saw the sign. They went down. They collected some, you know, some eggs and got way too much sugar. And now they find themselves showing up on a Sunday morning at a church. Nicole Vigiano, who was up here a few moments ago, you know when her and her husband Ken first found this church? A year ago, when we didn't even have services, we put up a little table outside on the day of the marathon. And they came walking past and said, what's going on here? What's happening? That's why we canceled services last week. One, people wouldn't have been able to get to our building. But two, there were thousands of people going up and down this street. Some of them may have had a moment. Some of them may have gone, I wonder what's inside there. As they used our bathrooms or got a cup of coffee. And we don't know what those moments could lead to. It's why we have services here every Sunday. And we pray that the moments when we gather here in this space, that it will propel us to great movement in our lives. It's why we worship God 
Because he is the only God that is worthy of being praised. And we hope that he will say to us, that he will speak to us, follow me, live a life of faith. And every person of faith in this book and in this room has one thing in common. That there are things standing in the way. There are things standing in the way of us living this kind of faith. It was true of every person in scripture. It's true of every one of us. And we could just sit and and let life go by and sort of wait for circumstances to be perfect, to wait for our fear of failure to go away, to wait for our fear of being insignificant to get a little bit less, to wait for our fear and and how this relationship is going to turn out to just sort of hold and, you know, sit on the pause button and, and just wait till everything looks just right. Some of us have this, this fear of, is God going to let me down? Like, if I really trust him, what if he doesn't come through? Fear of being made fun of, fear of standing alone, fear of making the wrong move. But here's the thing. We just talked about stories of faith that are now history for us, aren't they? And history gets written by those who really believe by those who really trust, really hope, really try, really fail, really get up again after that failure, and really make life-altering differences in their world moment by moment. And Jesus, the man whose message was literally interrupted on one afternoon by four men who said, we are unwilling to stop. We are not praying for an open door. We are going to create one. They put every ounce of their faith in Jesus because they knew that he was the son of God, the only worthy human ever worthy of our faith and our praise. And I think for many of us, we think, you know, when we're in here, yes, I want to live that kind of life. But honestly, that sounds a little crazy. I mean, who carries a saw around in their bag? Like, if I have a saw in my bag, I'm for sure getting stopped at the airport security. But may I go out on a limb for a minute, Soul City Church? The church of Jesus Christ needs us to live like this. We are not of this world. If our God is for us, who can be against us? We serve a perfect, holy, loving, sacrificial, redeeming God that did not stop to spare his own son. He is awesome. He is healer. He is gracious. He is kind. He is forgiving. He has redeemed our lives. He has given you a new name. He has given you a new story. He has given you a purpose, a hope, a plan, his word to live by, his spirit to guide your life. And all of creation is singing praise to him. And all he is saying is, would you be willing to grab a saw and cut a hole in a roof because my love is worthy of that kind of love. And so my question to you and my question to me is what is standing in your way? What is standing in your way of living that kind of faith? You see, I have come to believe that praying for open doors is actually a cheap way of asking God to take away the pain of walking by faith. Hebrews 11.1 says it so clearly. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. And sometimes walking by faith is just plain terrifying. But it always, it always leads to greater faith 
in our life. And so maybe for you this week, maybe for me this week, we can just start by praying a simple prayer. Help me to see the moments in my life that need to be turned into a movement. God, help me to see the moments in my life that need to be turned into a movement. What are those for me, God? Where do I need to grab a saw and start cutting? Where do I need to take a risk? Where do I need to do something that feels uncomfortable? What relationship do I need to press into a little bit more? Is there a place where I'm, where I'm holding back on forgiveness? Where I'm casting judgment? And I need to just open up my hands and say, God, God help me to extend forgiveness. Who's that person that you see on a regular basis that you just need to extend the love of God to? Maybe it's through a smile. Maybe it's from buying them a coffee. Maybe it's just through your kindness. But you and I were created to cut holes in the roof. That's what we were created for. Uh, A while back, I was um, talking to a friend about this passage and... um, and I was sharing with, with him some of my thoughts, and uh, I was just sharing, you know, that I, I was so compelled to, to want to start living this kind of life. And we had a great conversation about it. And a couple weeks later, in the mail, a package came, and it was a little awkward of a package, and I opened it up, and it was a chainsaw. And, um, and he wrote a little note on it, and he said, um, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something to the effect of, Jeannie, you were created to cut holes in a roof. Never stop cutting. And I carry this little chainsaw in my purse. I'm pretty sure I won't be stopped at the airport for this. But um, it is a reminder to me of the kind of life that God intended me to live. I was created to cut holes in a roof. I was, not wait, I was not created to just wait around for God to open a door, and neither were you. God invites us into active faith, to participate in faith, to put our foot into the sea, to walk around the city for seven days. God invites us to participate in our faith. And so my prayer for us as as the band comes up and we're going to spend a few moments in worship, my prayer is that you will boldly ask God this week, God, help me to see the moments in my life that need to be turned into a movement. What are the moments in my life? What, What are the moments that you are putting in my path that are not just moments for the sake of a moment, but they are moments for the sake of, of movement, for God to move. Maybe it's someone you need to invite with you to follow Palooza. Maybe it's somebody you need to say, you know, why don't you come to church with me? Maybe it's somebody that you just need to extend some love to. Maybe, maybe for you it has to do with um, trusting God in an area of your life where you, where you have a hard time trusting him. But I know this to be true. God is not running out on moments to create in our life for us to respond with a movement of faith. And so my prayer is that you will pray this prayer. God, help me to see the moments in my life so that they will lead 
to movement and following of you. And in a moment, we are uh, going to receive our offering, and we do that here every week. Um, and part of it is a way for us to, uh, to say to God with our resources, we trust you. We trust you completely. We trust that everything that you've given to us um, is yours in the first place. You can take it away at any given moment. And so, God, what we want to do is we want to we give back a portion of that to you, trusting that you can accomplish so much more in this city and in this world through your church, through your bride. And many of us, my husband and I, do this online on a regular basis. Many of you do that there as well. But I encourage you, maybe tonight, that's a prompting that you want to be a part of as you give to God. So we pray with me. Father, I pray that we would be the kind of church. I pray that we would be the kind of people. That if someone were to open up our bag, if somebody were to open up our purse, that they would see a little saw inside, God. And God, they would ask, you know, what's this all about? God, I I pray that we would be the kind of people that would not just sit around and wait for you to move, wait for you to open a door, pray comfy prayers, God, but that we would boldly take risks, that we would step out in faith, that we would do the counter-cultural thing, God, that when there is hate, that we would love that when there is pain, that we would offer hope. That when there is hurting God, that we would come with the love of Jesus. And God, I believe that there are moments all around each of us, and I pray that you would give us the faith to respond to those moments with movement. We want to be that kind of church, God. And we pray that this worship would bless your heart, Father. We pray that this worship would bring glory to your name. We love you so much. You are the only worthy God that deserves our praise. Thank you for redeeming us, for saving us, for giving us a life worthy of following you, God. We pray this to be true. In the name of Jesus, amen.